Welcome to this week in Missouri Politics from the state capital in Jefferson City, Missouri. We are joined by one of Jefferson City's own, Jay Ascroft, the Secretary of State. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Busy time of the year. I guess you're obviously getting ready to stamp a bunch of bills passed, or maybe not as many as usual, right? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like there will be as many passed, but we're obviously getting ready, as we have been for a while, for the August uh, primary and then mm -hmm. the November general election to make sure that people know that their votes will make the difference and we need them to self-educate and get out and participate. Educate me. You, there's, a, there's a voting bill that's been moving. Like every, it seems like this session's a lot of fits and starts, but there is an election bill moving. Can you tell us the one that you're keeping the closest eye on? Um, the latest thing that I've heard is that uh, a House bill by John Simmons mm -hmm. is the one that will probably be the one that moves if one does actually get through the Senate. Uh, we're hoping to get real government-issued photo ID requirement. Love to go to hand-marked paper ballots. We'd love to see the opportunity uh, if the legislature decides to, to have audits if something happens. We just want to do things that continue to make it easy to vote, make it harder to cheat, and also make sure that people can continue to have confidence in our elections. Two things, hand-marked paper ballot. I go back to the day with, in Butler County, they push a the little Chad thing, right? Yep. And it's, so there is a paper trail. What's the difference? Are you, is that, would that count, or do you want an actual hand-marked ballot? You know, we would like the hand-marked paper ballot. There are concerns anytime you have uh, electronics between a voter and their ballot uh, because people are concerned about whether or not that can be hacked. We haven't seen any of those problems in Missouri. We've looked at what other states were continuing to investigate, but our thought process is, look, let's just get the machine out of the equation. Uh, nobody can hack a number two pencil or your big ballpoint What's pen. that going to do to county clerks that actually count these votes? Well, How's that going to change that process? It won't because we're fine with the use of, of tabulators. We want the use of dumb tabulators. And in the legislation we're requesting, uh, the tabulators, according to law, would be incapable of being connected to a network. We would be allowed to require the manufacturers to come in and publicly disassemble them so the people now, in the I'm state ask, know what's in there. I'm going to ask you the question that Daryl Skiles down in Dent County, every commissioner, yeah. you're going to pay for it. Well, once again, the, the problem would be on the vendor if they're, they're, they brought in stuff that they said well, was you, certified and it didn't make the law. But, but and with regard to, to, to uh, sponsoring elections and providing payment for those, uh, under my watch, uh, the legislature with us did pass a law where the state for the first time ever is preparing its proportionate share of all the even-year elections. So uh, in this election, we're going to see the state this year for our general and our pr primary pay uh, really about $3 million more, almost $6 million, depending on how things work out, that they've never paid historically to our election. Well, let me ask you what Chris Gamm, a supporter of yours in Pike County, to ask. You're going to change something. You're going to pay for it. Um, the money's there, and we've been working hand-in-hand -hand with the Clerks Association to make it happen. What's the best argument you've ever heard for not having a voter ID? I've never heard a good one in my life. I haven't. And, and I think that when, 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 you get, when you talk to people behind closed doors in the Capitol, even people that uh, are, will not publicly be in favor of it, what they'll tell you is, yeah, we know it's not racist. We know how it's implemented works. It doesn't stop people from voting. But we've talked about it in such a derogatory way for so many years that they can't go to their voters and say, hey, wait a minute, we were wrong. I'm old enough to remember who sat in the chair in the Senate when they passed, they had a PQ and passed the first voter ID bill. It was Chris Coster. I have a hard time thinking there's a really genuine argument. I mean, 
the, the government will, the state will give you an ID, right? That would work. We'll, we'll give you an ID. For free. We will actually get the underlying documents for yeah. free. There's no cost. We've we've done that for people that were in hospital beds that will probably never leave them. I've actually myself gone to a quadriplegic at their house to get uh, items notarized to do that for. We'll facilitate it. End of the day, I don't think it affects either party in any way. It might make you feel a little bit more secure, maybe more than anything else. You're voting one time. I, I hope it makes people feel more secure because when people trust elections, they participate. And I trust the people of this state to make good decisions. Talk about judges. There's a big judge ruling this week. Uh, you know a little bit about the law. You're from a family that knows a little bit about the law. <clears throat> there was a judge that said, you don't have to wear a mask on an airplane anymore. Can you believe the poor people? I mean, I don't, I don't fly all that often. That F-150 gets up pretty quick, but it doesn't quite fly. It, it just said it's such a common sense thing that finally got done for folks. Well, you know, we have a real battle in this country about whether or not the people are going to be in charge of making their own decisions or whether it be it big business or big government will do that. And I heartily come down on the side of letting people make their own individual decisions in their circumstances. They know best how to do that. And that's what made 13 inconsequential colonies the lone superpower in the world. <laughs> it, it just to me is that you, you saw the video of folks ripping their mask off happy. I, I would think so, too. I mean, I, I just it's hard for me to get my head around at this point you're still clinging on to some COVID stuff. And I know it's serious and I know it's bad for folks and that's really unfortunate, but good Lord, it just seems like it's a common sense thing. How did we get away from the idea of letting people make their own decisions? If you want to wear a mask, fine. If you want to wear two masks, fine. What we've seen is that the masks don't stop the propagation of the virus. They don't stop people from getting infected. There is no logical reason to mandate that people have to wear you them wish, other than we want to send more money to China to buy their masks. You wish it was a Missouri judge that had done it. I, I would love it if Missouri had led the way in that. Speaking of, about every two or three years, you somebody come up want to change the court plan, how they pick judges here. Break that down. You're an attorney. You know a little bit about this process. Well, the process good or bad right now? Uh, what I don't like about the process is there's a lack of accountability. I think the number one thing you have to have in government is you have to have accountability. Otherwise, you have government that runs amok. And who does government need to be accountable to at all times? It's we the people. Government was not created first and foremost to rule over the people. It was created by the people to create an environment for the people to be able to be successful and have opportunities. So I think we have a problem where there's really no accountability. You have uh, a couple members that choose the panel that are elected by uh, attorneys. You have a couple of members that are chosen by the governor. Then you have the chief justice, depending on exactly what's being done. They submit a panel of judges to the governor. He has to pick one of them. Yeah. And if it's two child molesters and a murderer, he still has to pick one of them or the panel picks one. And I think we need to have a system where if there's a good judge that's picked, people can say that individual did a good job picking that judge. And if there's a bad panel or a bad judge, they can say that person didn't do their job and we want to hold them accountable. One of the most interesting things in the legislature this year is a bill about vaccine. It's called a vaccine mandate. When I first walked in the Capitol with Mark Richardson, as, as you could tell by the, the wings I've got growing here in the grave 20 years ago, if you'd have told me there was a bill that was moving that said a business has to do something or can't do something, and you can sue them over it if they do, the Republicans would have been up in arms. Today, the Republicans are pushing it. It is a real interesting change in the party and how the, and how the parties view these things. Why do you come down on that? Well, first of all, there are all sorts of things that businesses legally are required to do and legally aren't allowed to do, and they can be sued over if they don't act appropriately. So that's not new. Secondly, we call it a vaccine, but historically, and if you just use kind of what a West Butler hillbilly would say, it's not a vaccine. It doesn't stop you from getting sick. 
It doesn't even stop the majority of people from getting sick. It doesn't stop you from being able to infect someone else. I think it's a therapeutic. I think it might help you so that if you do get sick, you don't get as sick. But why in the world should the government be able to tell you whether or not you have to get a vaccine if it doesn't even stop someone else from getting sick? If all it might do is help you to stay healthier, shouldn't that be your personal decision? I should exercise more. I should eat more vegetables. I don't need the government mandating that. So if it was an effective vaccine, would that change the dynamic? I'm not sure if it I would. I think it would change the discussion. Yeah. Um, but facts matter. And unfortunately, what we've seen with the federal government, A, it's been hard to get true facts. We've been told things that just aren't so. Uh, and until we regain the confidence of people, it's gonna be difficult, but facts matter. And when you have something that doesn't do what they say it does, and they tell you you have to do it for reasons that aren't true, it's right for people to say no. And we're, we're Missourians. We always have the right to question our government and say, Show me, that's right? not what I think. <laughs> government is here to serve the people, not the other way around. Let me ask you a question. I think this is kind of, the, to me, the fundamental question about your job right now. We're going into an election, federal election this fall. Do you, as the person who is the chief election officer, believe this election in Missouri will be held fair? Should people have confidence in this election? I do. Um, I believe that Missouri elections will be well run. I can't say that there will be no fraud, uh, but we've seen small amounts of fraud. I don't like any of it, but I haven't seen any sort of systematic approach. I haven't seen anything that would change elections. We've referred those individuals that have been involved in it to prosecution. We'd love to see some changes made so that people can have confidence, so that it's easier to prosecute people that do vote fraudulently. Uh, but I believe that people of the state can trust our elections. Last two questions. There's a thing called the Parents' Bill of Rights. I've seen you speak out <clears throat> multiple times about, about the way schools mass kids and did things. I saw Judge Green last night, the liberator of, I guess, all Missouri kids' faces. Um, where do you come down on this right now? You know, the biggest thing I think we need to get to is parental choice. We need to put the money in the hands of parents to make the decision. You know, we can talk about all sorts of different things about education, whether or not schools are responsive to parents, what, whether they're teaching what they ought to be teaching. If parents have the money and the ability to say, I'm going to pull my child out of your school and move them to an alternative venue, then suddenly schools will respond to the needs of parents and the needs of students. Parents know their kids best. They're not the state's children. They're the parents' children, and parents should be in charge. Last question. We talked about some choices. Choice coming up for Missourians who's going to uh, fill this office in two years. Some thoughts said maybe you might consider running for that office. You had one of the best financial quarters of picking up support maybe in Missouri political history. Had to feel good, right? It did. And, you know, what really felt good was that the people of the state have been so kind to me and yeah. been so supportive of me. Uh, obviously, I've thought about what I'm going to do. I'm not going to run for re-election to Secretary of State. I think it's good to have new blood. I don't want to start thinking this is my place as opposed to the people's place that they've allowed me to It's not going to gonna be the Kirkpatrick Ashcroft building, you're saying? No. Um, but uh, I also don't think it's the time to announce something like that. We need to elect a U.S. Senator to replace Roy Blunt and do some other things. And I just, I need to focus on doing my job. The best politics is good governance. I ask you. When do, you, when do you, Katie, and the family, when do you, when do you think you'll have a decision on what you're going to do? Well, uh, I will just say that I don't think it's the right time to announce it, and making a decision is very different than the time for when you make an announcement. Sure. Well, Secretary, when you get, as you come through this process, I hope you'll come talk about it on this week at Missouri Politics. Happy to. Thank, Thank you very you so much for your time. We'll be right back. The leading conservative in this state, Representative Josh Holbert, joins the Opinion Maker panel after this.
All across Missouri, our new car and truck dealers are building strong local economies. When you buy a car or truck in Missouri, you're helping to support over 20,000 Missouri families who rely on the auto industry for good-paying local jobs. You're also helping fund our communities, schools, first responders, and our roads because dealers generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. Missouri's automobile dealers have been the foundation of our communities for generations and for generations to come. The Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, the heart of Missouri. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's Energy at Work, Ameren, Missouri. Welcome back this week at Missouri Politics from the state capital in Jeff City. For the first time on the show, Representative Patty Lewis from Kansas City, welcome. Thanks thank, for joining us. Thank you, thanks for having me. On the show, Ashley Oni, thanks for coming back. Thank you for having me. The leading conservative in the state. There's only one damn conservative in the building, and it's Josh Holbert from the great Northwest. We're honored to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. And Bill Harbick, Pulaski County Zone. Thank you for joining us. Let's start off. You guys are passing, you're spending some money this week, right? Passing a budget? Yes, yeah, give me the more. broadest strokes of what the folks are buying with their tax dollars. Well, we're spending significantly more money than we did last year. The budget's grown by 15, 16 billion dollars. So a lot of that's infusion from federal tax time, dollars. Yeah. That's right, yeah, one time federal tax dollars, ARPA money, COVID relief money, there'll be infrastructure money coming. So there's a lot coming down the pike, and the question is how do you spend that? Now, me, I'm of the school that that federal money's not gonna come next year or the year after that. So we need to invest it in things that are durable. Economies like businesses wax and wane. You got lean times and you got feast times, right? You got times you're flush with cash, but I think we should anticipate having not so much cash in the future. Yeah. So thinking about that, investing in infrastructure, our workforce, technology, things that are durable. Those are probably smart things we should invest in that'll give us wins in this budget. Tell me what's in this budget you like. You know, one of the things I really like about this budget is that it seems to be uh, what's happening in the Senate with the budget is that um, the Senate, the House Democrats, and the governor seem to be pretty aligned on what our, um, our objectives are. It's almost like this happened three years in a row previously. Exactly, right? Uh, and so, you know, I'm really hopeful that um, what the Senate is doing with the budget right now is more in line with, the, with what the Democrats were fighting for on the floor a few Give weeks me what ago. you don't like. This is part I was looking forward to hearing. <laughs> well, the part I don't like, um, I would say right now is uh, Budget Chair Cody Smith's uh, proposal for um, tax credits uh, for Missourians. Um, I'm, I'm really troubled by that. Uh, for one, because um, our own Kevin Windham proposed something similar, but it's something that would actually benefit um, some of the lower income Missourians and middle income Missourians, rather than all Missourians who we don't genuinely believe need a tax credit at this point. But moment. in reality, you're not staying up at night worried that's going to happen, right? I'm not. Tell me something you like about this budget. 
Well, I do like that the fact that we're giving back some of the uh, dollars that Missourians have paid in uh, through a tax cut that way. It's a one-time tax cut. I think that benefits, especially in an era of inflation, that actually helps Missouri families uh, you know, work their jobs, put food on the table, and uh, meet, uh, be able to drive to work every day. People forget when you're in the great Northwest or you're in the boot hill, driving a vehicle a long way is just something you do. And we usually every drive day. big ones. That, when that gas price gets around $4 a gallon, I, I even know folks that have been Democrats since FDR, they start to get a little ticked off at Washington. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, this uh, directly affects what, you, uh, what you're able to do every day in your life. There is one thing in the budget. It's uh, for Kansas City. They're talking about bringing the World Cup, which I'm from the boot heel. I'm not, a, I'm not a soccer, as you could tell, player or know much about it. But what an amazing international event that would be to host right in Kansas City. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Kansas City is a sports town. We love our sports. Um, it would not only benefit the city that I'm from and represent, but our whole state and put us on the world stage. I can't think of anybody, if I, if I had money riding on something, I would want Quentin Lucas to go in the room and do like the Don Draper presentation. <laughs> if there's somebody that could land it, I would say Quentin Lucas could land that. Uh, I agree. Uh, let's move on now talk about something that I, I found interesting. It's a, Bill, it's, a, it's an issue that I think if you're a Republican, you could see this many ways. It's something called the Cannabis Freedom Act. Everybody's own lovable representative, Ron Hicks. So right now, the folks in the state voted to let some medical marijuana happen, but it's pretty highly regulated. Republicans don't like regulations, but I'm not so sure some Republicans don't like this being regulated. What's going to happen with it? It is difficult on some level for me to oppose any bill that has the word freedom in it. <laughs> so when it says that, I, I'm drawn to it naturally. And, that's, and, and Ron's done a great job. Ron Hicks is the perfect sponsor because yes. he's gone to everybody, every group, for and against, law enforcement, people who are pro you know, deregulation of cannabis. He's talked to him, said, hey, what are your concerns? What are your issues? How can we make this better? And there's some really good stuff in that bill. There's some good criminal justice reform that I think Missouri will adopt at some point. And there's some stuff we've got to work out, right? Like, what is the cannabis authority? How does that work? Do we create new regulatory bodies? Are we replacing a regulatory body with a different one? So there's some issues, but I think that the electorate's moved a lot on marijuana, right? It's a lot different than it was 10, 15 years ago. Were you surprised it passed? I was a little surprised it passed. That it's passed in 2018, the medical marijuana. Yeah. I guess I there's no opposition, right? You know, if you kind of look around, if, you, if you're out there in, in the, the community, in your county, and you're talking to people, you can see that there's, there's a ground shift in marijuana. It's happened over the last couple of decades. I don't know where it goes, but I think there's some unresolved issues. Maybe people weren't as opposed to it as I thought. I think that's yeah, kind no, of what I thought. I don't think there's a huge moral opposition to it. There's a question about, okay, do we change our open container law? Maybe we do to redefine what driving while impaired is for marijuana. We talk about public smoking and unwanted exposure to marijuana. Those are all things we should sort out as we think about what regulations should be in place, what to keep people safe. But I don't think, you know, 40 years ago, DWI was like nothing. And then marijuana was, was you know, you go to jail, was heavily shunned morally. We've almost done a complete reverse in the last 40 years on those issues. So tell me about this. I mean, you're a now experienced veteran legislator. I'm just a simple white trash hillbilly. I would think that the folks that are, that are okay with a dispensary in a nice commercial building that's not ostentatious, the folks are kind of okay with that. You start selling on every corner, you're going to see some people get up in arms. I think that that's probably true, but what I would argue is that um, 
what's great about this piece of legislation is that it does not um, create a monopoly with our uh, dispensaries and our cannabis industry. Um, it actually allows a free market. And what could happen is we may have a flood in the market, um, but I think that the market will correct itself. That's what the market does. Um, and I genuinely feel that, that we have an opportunity here in Missouri. So was, I, I went to Oklahoma recently and I saw that, I, I think it, here in, in Jeff City, there's a place on Missouri Boulevard that apparently sells marijuana. I would never have known it, right, driving by it. It's a very nice building. Uh, it apparently sells a lot of marijuana, but it is not something that's ostentatious. In Oklahoma, I mean, it looks like a Cheech and Chong movie. And, I, and, and the people that want to go to that, I, something in my gut tells me your regular folks are not going to like if Oklahoma happens to pop up in Missouri. So my question would be, if it's okay now, I think people generally like the program. Do you think it changes and do you think people sit still for it? Um, I think it's got a lot of support, um, as was previously mentioned, um, from both sides of the aisle and citizens. Um, you know, I think it's something, I don't think it's going to be like Oklahoma. I think we'll just have to wait and see how the bill lands and, you know, um, see what happens to it. Folks in the great Northwest, you tell me. I mean, this comes in. It's actually been pretty, pretty subtle, right? Most places I know, if they have a dispensary, it's not something that's huge. There's no hot leaves bushing out of the top of it. You start to go down a trail of Oklahoma, I'm not sure folks in the great Northwest are gonna like a pot shop on every block. I would absolutely agree with that. I think there was a, a, an argument that could be made for medical marijuana, but at the same time, when I was going door to door in Smithville, I talked to people who actually moved from Colorado to Missouri to get away from the recreational pot. So I, th I think that there is a uh, more of a hesitancy towards recreational than there is towards medical. So I think recreational may come, but I think it'll be regulated. You give me a prediction time. Does recreational marijuana come to Missouri this fall? Um, you make me choose. Yeah. yeah. What do you think will happen? Uh, so I think that there are a lot of things that are yet to happen in the election cycle that will determine who shows up to vote and what issues are forefront on people's minds, what electorates emerge. So it's hard for me to predict November, but I'd say within the next five to ten years there will be recreational marijuana in Missouri. I predict recreational but regulated. What do you think? Uh, I don't think it gets through in November. What do you think? I think if it ends up on the ballot, it will absolutely get through, but I really hope it doesn't end up on the ballot because what's on the ballot will change our constitution, and I believe that as a legislature, we have a responsibility to address this statutorily. Did you just come out bribe paper form? <laughs> oh, I don't think she did. What do you think? Does this, does this pass this fall? Is recreational marijuana legal in the state of Missouri? Yes. I think yes, and I think the regulation helps it get there. That's just my own hillbilly opinion. Uh, Representative Hardwick, uh, folks that know you know you're a veteran, still serving uh, the country. Talk about the program you're working on with Representative Vaughn. Uh, the Missouri Military Preparedness Enhancement Commission, we serve on that. And its job is to make one, Missouri, the best state for veterans and for service members. And we also think about the linkage between the Department of Defense trying to uphold our national security, protect our country, and those activities having a huge economic impact in Missouri. The thousands of soldiers that are employed, the thousands of DOD workers that are employed, the thousands of contractors at our industrial partners employed in Missouri, and then their families, and then those people who, the spouses, the children, right? So we want to make Missouri a good environment for them. We want to make an environment that those businesses can thrive, and that we're good partners with the federal government, the Department of Defense on that. So Missouri's kind of a vibrant state. And we kind of link that with our national security goals. And it's a real positive committee to be on. It's a bipartisan committee, right? There's Democrats and Republicans that serve on it. There's people who have expertise in the private sector, people who have expertise in government. And we just try to kind of promote, you know, veteran activities and the military activities in our state. I like the fact that you were excited to talk about this thing you're working on with Bill. 
So what are you dragging him to accomplish? <laughs> well, I think I would argue that he has dragged me into it. Um, but it is a really fantastic, like you said, it's a really fantastic um, way to give back to the military community in Missouri and make sure that we are setting our state up um, to be the best place for military members, um, whether they are active duty or retired, and their families. One of the things that um, we're working on as a legislature, and we have been for a while, um, is uh, things like uh, licensure reciprocity, making sure that if, if a military family is moving from another state, um, they don't have to get relicensed in Missouri for whatever it was they were doing somewhere else, um, and making sure that, that that goes across the board. So um, little things like that, little opportunities um, to address that. You know, April is actually the month of the military child, and so we've had an opportunity to recognize the sacrifices that kids make um, in this process as well. Um, they're a huge part of it, obviously. Um, families support military members all day, every day, and so recognizing those kids is hugely important this month. Tell me something Missouri does well for veterans right now, Bill. I mean, you're a person that would actually know. Well, I mean, I'm wearing purple today. It's April's a month of military child. People wore purple to commemorate it. Earlier this month, our first lady, Teresa Parson, she hosted a whole bunch of military-dependent children over there at DESE, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, to honor them and commemorate them. So our governor, our first lady, do that fantastically honoring the service and sacrifice of veterans, but not only veterans, just like Ashley was saying, their families too. The children that move from school to school have to make new friends, have to go through that, and they sacrifice to serve along with their parents. So Missouri's doing that well. We should continue to do that better, but it's something that our governor, our state's been doing pretty well, in my opinion. Those, I mean, it is interesting. A person that goes in the military is trained at a place like Fort Leonard with a high skill. You want to keep them in Missouri. You want to make it easier for them to be here. Those are the kind of citizens we want to have move here. Right, yeah, we absolutely want Missouri to be a welcoming state. Um, I serve on the Professional Registration and Licensing Committee. Uh, some of these bills have come through, certainly support that and want to keep, you know, keep Missouri welcoming. And it feels like some the, the things you all have tried have been working. It feels like a good, the reciprocity stuff you've been doing, it feels like it's going down the right path, right? Yes. You see, if, if there had been a problem, you'd have heard about it. And it really seems like it's went well. Yeah, absolutely. And in the committee, we've got bipartisan, bipartisan support on many of the bills, um, you know, that have come through. So it's a, it's a great committee to serve on. Let's talk about the top piece of legislation filed this year. You finally took a stand against out-of-control meter maids, the only conservative I've found in the whole Capitol. You finally stood up and took it on. I'm sure you've had pushback, but are we going to be freed from the meter maids? Well, I hope so, Scott. I mean, this came from, I, I was seeing nationwide studies that uh, places like Los Angeles were losing over $50 million a year on meters. So I came back home and looked at what we're doing here in locally and Kansas City's losing money on meters. I mean, everywhere you go, you are losing, cities are losing money trying to enforce and maintain these meters. And it's, and it's tyranny. It, it, and it deters people from our city centers and it's just something I think we need to take a strong look at. It's amazing to me the stranglehold the bureaucrats have taken in Jeff City on the capital area. Just persecuting anybody having to slow down driving through downtown. Hopefully your bill will liberate Jeff City. Hey, I would love to have my uh, constituents be able to visit the Capitol again. Without being harassed. Absolutely. Right, that's a great thing. Give me a prediction here into session. Uh, give me something that's going to pass that people aren't talking about. Or that they are. Woo! Uh, something that will pass that people aren't talking Transgender will pass? You're just going to pull Absolutely the fire alarm. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. I, you know, I think, honestly, I think it's unpredictable at this point because I have no idea what the Senate is or is not capable of. Give me a prediction, Bill Harbour. What do you think? Passes. Yep. The agriculture bill. I think it's right. Vaccine mandates, the budget, one election bill at least, and then maybe I'd say 15 to 20 TFP in addition to the budget. This is my right. goal. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I think uh, Representative Hardwick is on it with 15 to 20 uh, 
truly agreed and finally passed. I think uh, I'm not sure we can get across the finish line on the open enrollment bill that uh, we passed out of the House. I think that's going to meet enough resistance in the Senate that it's going to uh, find a, have to come back next year. I'd love to ask you, but we're out of time. We're going to kick off the air. We're the middle left to win the week. The last son of Krypton. Brian Sides. Love it. love it. I mean, I was going to be so disappointed if you didn't say Brian Sides. That's why I came on the show, Scott. <laughs> I believe that. One week. Uh, I would actually say Mark Alford running in District 4. So he, he's had the po early polling showed he had the name ID, and this week he showed he had the fundraising to be able to win that race. So I think Mark Alford wins it. Ian Mackey, hands yeah. down. You know, I think re reasonable people could argue about the issue of transgender athletes, but his speech made me think about times I've probably been that nice person he talks about. I mean, if that didn't, as a guy from rural Missouri, that kind of pricks you in the feelings a little bit his speech. Who won the week? I wish you would ask me first, because I would say <laughs> Ian Mackey, absolutely, <laughs> hands down. I'm going to say Josh Holbrook. Finally, a conservative's come to Jeff City. It's about time. We hope you'll join us next week for Mornsburg, the University of Central Missouri, on This Week in Missouri Politics. Support for this program has been provided by the Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, Ameren, Spire, and Sterling Bank.